Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. It must be Tuesday at 8pm then. Uh, well, no, actually, it's not. Sorry, folks. We're running a day late today, so it's Wednesday, 8pm um, this week. But hey, we are still here to talk about rugby stuff, even though the season is over as far as we're concerned, this uh, side of the world. Um, and uh, joining me to go through all of the news, it's uh, Boa Hayding, sir. Very well, thank you. Um, yes, the season is over, so I am showing some degree of withdrawal symptoms, I have to admit. It's very unusual not to look forward to a weekend of rugby. And given that the Barbarians game against uh, Manu Samoa got cancelled, I was uh, was a little bit bewildered. Uh, but look, it is what it is. Uh, no, really well, thank you. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe. Uh, we're in the, uh, the midst of the squid games here in New Zealand. It's... Uh, Red light or green light very shortly. So, uh, no, everything is good and uh, looking forward to this Wednesday night special edition. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I say, well, I've not watched Squid Games yet, so I don't understand all the references. I, I've, it's one of those I've got to uh, got to get round to. Um, but good evening to Johan Guam, who's uh, joined us in the live chat. And he goes, all blacks to fire Ian, Hoss, Ian Foster? Question, question. I'm afraid not, Johan. That's, that, that's, I, I really don't see that being on the table. They're doing their normal end-of-year review, uh, and uh, he'll come out of it okay, um, having lost uh, three games this year, which is uh, or to three different countries for the first time, or the fourth time in history to three different countries. I think it is, um, but it's not the most. It's not the most losses in a year, but uh, certainly it's um, it was a lot of things, and uh, we did talk about that quite a bit last week and last week um, with uh, Con, and uh, I'm no doubt we'll be. Uh, sort of talking about the All Blacks on and off for the uh, next couple of months until Super Rugby kicks off. Um, but um, uh, I think the main sort of topics this evening, we'll have a chat about uh, Rugby World Cups and uh, where they're going to be allocated over the next uh, next uh, few cycles. Um, the uh, Super Rugby and uh, COVID and uh, kind of <laughs> what's the situation going on there at the moment. Um, we'll have a talk about Ardy Surveyor, who has gone and uh, re-signed with um, uh, New Zealand um, and uh, then uh, World Rugby has announced 10 variable laws, uh, which is one that we will um, have a uh, 
uh, have a chat uh, about because I know that's one area that Bowie you'll be very uh, well very knowledgeable about and uh, also interested in. Um, Simon's saying yeah good evening everyone good evening Simon uh, and says yeah Foster got a two year two year extension at the beginning of the year absolutely even if they wanted to get rid of him in all honesty he couldn't afford to at the moment they just don't have the cash um, hence why World Rugby has uh, given the next rugby World Cup to Australia but we'll get on to that one in a uh, second. Um, the uh, well, uh, if I if I can jump in just to respond to your hand as well, Simon. One of the KPIs with the end of your Northern Tour Four, uh, Ian Foster and his coaching group was um, actually to try out a number of combinations and ensure that the entire squad of players, from a high performance point of view, uh, were given uh, a certain amount of minutes or a game time. So I think he's, he, you know, he very comfortably met that. Uh, and one of the downsides to it was the constant chopping and changing of combinations. And I think we had four different captains uh, within a very short period of time as well. So from that point of view, I guess, uh, you know, full marks to Ian Foster and his team. Yes, the results, particularly the last two games, didn't go the way uh, particularly the general public or the New Zealand rugby supporters wanted to. But, you know, you can't always have it your way. So you have to look at this from a holistic point of view. And uh, you have to understand these coaching groups and New Zealand rugby high performance, you know, these guys, they have a plan and they know what they're doing. So whilst it may not be ideal to drop three games in a single calendar season, uh, there are a whole bunch of other things which uh, were very early in the play clearly set out and those KPIs were going to be measured. So in that sense, I think Foster and Co. have achieved a lot. Uh, but, you know, like, like I always say, when the, whenever the All Blacks play, there's no such thing as a, a second string All Black side. They must win by 100 points and play perfect rugby. Until that is achieved, the knives will always be out. And, it, you know, I have to say, but, but the end, he, you know, he's a heck of a nice guy. It just doesn't help the whole scenario because you know he's the complete opposite of some of the very energetic personalities as all black coaches we've had particularly the public choice and all black coaching waiting scott razor robertson well yes and whether he's all black choice uh, all blacks wait for the next one or whether he's one after joe smith we'll have to wait and see um anyway um moving on the reviewer points out that there were a couple of um International this weekend has gone. Yes, as you say, uh, unfortunately, the Barbarians had to pull out of their game against uh, Samoa due to um, the number of COVID cases they've got. So whilst we did get through um, the November Internationals largely unscathed, I mean, it was the odd player who had to pull out, uh, particularly from England. I'm thinking about I mean, Owen Farrell, for example, um, missed a game. Um, and I think uh, also um, Joe Marler as well uh, also missed uh, a game because of that. Um, but um, so, yes, the, uh, uh, there have been a number of COVID cases and uh, unfortunately, uh, yes, the um, uh, the Barbarians got too many. So hence um, the women's Barbarians game um, against, I've gone uh, against South Africa um, became the, uh, the, the the key match. It was a, it was on free to air BBC, which is fantastic, uh, but also uh, got a world record crowd of 27,000. Now, clearly, yeah, um, a number of those were there for the men's game and it was cancelled but it still went along um but uh, but still um, a good turnout for that as well and great to see the man Samoa players turn up stand for the national anthem and uh, go around and greet all the crowds um a real shame for them after 
they pulled out of their full the uh, after the uh, sort of the full international team had to pull out of the uh, entire November tour. Yeah, look, I you know honestly, I, I felt quite heartbroken for two reasons. One, I missed out on a Barbarians game, and number two, obviously for the Manu Samoan players because uh, you know they would have been really looking forward to this, and you know look, with with COVID uh, as or what, what, what's the term is the Rona, the Rona of 2021. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing anyone can do. Safety comes first. So very, very unfortunate situation. Um, and um, yeah, look, it is what it is. You know, she's got to move on from it. Um, and I see the reviewer was talking about the Chile we Russia game. I actually did manage to catch some of the highlights, being the rugby nerd I am. Uh, you have to understand, uh, Chile, a, a very good side. They've got a very good coach. Uh, Pablo Lemon, who's a former Uruguayan player. Now, I know Pablo quite well, having been part of the uh, IRB and World Rugby uh, Senior Coaches Program. And, you know, he's, he's a real tactician and he's very good at teaching players basic skills. And yes, there, were, uh, there was a, a good assortment of surprise. Surprise, more yellow cards. A couple of those yellow cards are those absolutely ridiculous, uh, completely... Uh, impractical in a contact slash collision sport. But unfortunately, you know, those are the rules now. Um, and yeah, right, that, that, that's right. I mean, um, it was a bit of a dampener, but uh, it was uh, it was a good game. And, and in the current context, any sort of rugby is better than no rugby. So, uh, yeah, what can I say? I talk about, even though it is the end of the season here, um, Gatland is uh, head coaching along with um, Bob Blank as to the uh, XY Cato and All Black player um, winger scores tries. Uh, Roger Randall. Coaching... Yeah, Roger Randall, thank you. Um, our head, uh, they're both coaching the New Zealand Barbarians uh, against Heartland Championship side this weekend in Taupo. So um, uh, if you want to get along to that one, folks, um, and um, I guess uh, quite a few, uh, well, more people will be able to with the, the whole... Uh, as you say, traffic-like system uh, that comes into effect at the end of this week. Um, then, uh, so yes, yeah, so folks, uh, that um, is available down in uh, in, in, in Taupo um, this uh, this coming weekend. I must admit, I will not be heading down um, for that um, uh, for that game, though, folks. Uh, on that one, um, yes, Chile are going well, and uh, World Rugby has been put a, putting a chunk of money into it, which is very good to see. Um, on um, uh, on that one, which I think uh, is, is is there, Jan. Uh, if you want to know what our thoughts on Razi, then uh, you want to you become a su- supporter of um, New Zealand Sport Radio um, over at patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. And uh, myself and Con did a 14 minute video uh, talking about the um, Razi uh, judgment. So if you want to have a check that out, it's, that's on New Zealand Sport uh, NZ Sport Radio.com, our webpage um, for, um, for that one. Um, so yes, uh, rugby world cup. Then, uh, as I kind of in, in, uh, sort of mentioned there um, about the how how it's been the next the uh, next rugby world the next men's rugby world cup. So the twenty twenty seven has been allocated to Australia. Now this is a uh, departure from uh, the uh, what, what was originally um, planned um, with the when they did the pairing of Japan and France. Um, there was the idea then that it would alternate between emerging nations and established nations so hence after france it would have gone the plan was to go to an emerging nation they've delayed that by a 
uh, a cycle and pushed the uh, USA out to 2035. I got that right. I don't know if I'm doing it off the top of my head um, here. Uh, so, um, so, uh, but, but I mean, with, with COVID and uh, the way it's impacted a lot of, well, all of the unions worldwide, um, but it's not a surprise that it's going to a, a, a safe pair of hands for the, um, uh, for that, uh, for, for, for the next World Cup. Yeah, no question. I think with the uncertainty of the financial model, which World Rugby use at the moment, particularly with the Rona, <laughs> Rona virus. So let's let's hope hope this is the last of the Rona, and we don't have more um, Alpha, Beta, Omega versions coming up as the years roll on. Uh, and of course, you know, Australia is a, is a large uh, uh, island, and you know, it's a lot easier to manage from a logistical point of view. And of course, an established nation with uh, a, a good network with the current professional setup when it comes to rugby union. Uh, so it's, you know, they've gone for safety first sort of thing, which is uh, understandable. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, last time a World Cup was allocated, uh, which, you know, which is, which is going to be the 2023 World Cup. Originally, if you recall, uh, South Africa, in fact, was the preferred uh, destination, but surprise, surprise, it ended up going to France. So um, not entirely sure how, how and what the inner workings of all this is, but uh, clearly looks like World Rugby. Uh, I might not say anything more, because I might actually get, get in trouble with them. <laughs> um, you, you, you need to watch your P's and Q's because being a World Rugby coach educator that you are, um, whereas uh, myself, I don't have to watch my P's and Q's because I'm, I'm nobody as far as World Rugby is concerned. Um, but um, look, the, 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 the thing that happened last time around where South Africa lost out to France, basically came down to a vote, uh, and essentially, France offered more money than South Africa. And so, hence, a bunch of tier two nations went, we get our money from World Rugby. World Rugby needs all the money it can get. Therefore, we're going to go for the bigger the uh, the bigger um, paycheck, is essentially how that one went. Now, World Rugby got in, seriously embarrassed by that because World, the World Rugby or, um, people had uh, chosen, had obviously said South Africa was preferred, preferred or the best, the best option. Um, and uh, that's basic, and then the vote went uh, um, against them. Um, the then the um, uh, this time around, though, what they've done is they haven't made it a public vote in the same kind of way. As Simon says, Australia was the only viable candidates because South Africa pulled out, um, Argentina pulled out for Australia, uh, and it came down to basically Australia or Russia. And as we've just seen with Russia losing to Chile, even though Chile had three yellow three yellow cards, they are not at the same level. As Japan, and there is no way that Russia is in a situation where it can host the Men's Rugby World Cup um, in fifteens. The uh, this the when they hosted the Sevens Rugby World Cup a few years back, that was far from being a blinding success either, um, with empty stadiums um, from memory. So uh, yeah, you're, you're quite right, Simon. That Australia was the only um, was the only viable candidate, but I think there's also probably been a, a there was a, I think there was a lot of um, work going on to make sure that this was a consensus this time because of not wanting that, uh, uh, the arguing and the disunity that came about from last time, Bella. Yeah, and, and, and you know, safety first, uh, you know, and hopefully everyone's towing the same line. And yeah, a very good point from Simon there that, you know, they've got a lot of experience, uh, you know, particularly managing the logistics, managing all the teams. And they've obviously got an existing really good infrastructure for these sort of competitions. Um, and of course, uh, 
you know, it's uh, uh, from, as I said, managing the logistics is going to be one of these key issues in any sort of world competition going forward, particularly with the new normal. Uh, so, yeah, I think they've got this one pretty much bang on. Um, and, and of course, uh, for us Kiwis who live here, it's only a three-hour flight if we can uh, you know, manage to score some tickets. But yeah, yep. then you're off to the races. And then after that, say, the USA is, is the expansion one. Now, the USA, um, with the, which will be, what, 10 years away now uh, when they uh, they get theirs. Is that right? 20, 10 years? No. Uh, 11. Yeah. Uh, sorry. It's, uh, no. I beg your pardon. It'll be 12 years. 12 years. Um, the, uh, no, that cannot be right. It has to be 10 years because it's um, uh, 3031. Yes. 2031. So yes, it is. It is. It is, it is in ten years time. So look, ten, ten years. Ten more years of uh, major league rugby should a grow the audience in the states, plus also uh, make them more competitive. So look, I think so that, that's that's a good a good time there. The reviewer says one big question though: Do they expand it now? Do they expand it in time for the for Australia? Absolutely not. And the reason being um, is cost. Is a look. They clearly. The Australia bid, the Australia bid has been put in there to, to to raise as much money as possible for World Rugby and also for Australia to get Australia out of its um, uh, monetary issues, uh, and that way um, you uh, will you end up with a uh, with with. So I had to say, I don't think they'll expand it. Will they expand it for the USA? Possibly, um, uh, but uh, but I think Australia will come too soon from a financial point of view um, for World Rugby. Um, Bo, are you on the same page there, or do you disagree? Yeah, look, there's, there's two sides to the coin. I mean, you know, from I mean, when I put my coach educator hat on, you know, I want the game to expand as much as the game can, because you know, if any sport is to stay alive and grow, we need new punters. So to do that, we need a very competitive landscape. But the reality is, under the current landscape, uh, unless you're, you know, unless that you're in the top uh, tier one, there's, there's eight nations. Um, uh, what I am starting to see is the gap widen bigger and bigger. So in order to uh, make it more competitive, then you will, from a world rugby administrative point of view, you're going to have to put some um, interventionist policies purely for on-field competitiveness. So one of these things is, of course, uh, with the new eligibility switch, uh, which is going to benefit the uh, Pacific Island nations. Uh, so, yeah, we, we're sort of going in the right direction. But on for on-field competitiveness, I think we need far more stringent and far more radical interventionist ideas. But the reality is the Tier 1 nations will never agree to it. And I'm talking about handicapping systems where when Tier 1 nations play Tier 2, where you have a certain amount of uh, rating points given per player and they, they limit the amount of top-choice players. But again, that's... You know, those are, as I said, you know, very radical interventions. But from a uh, from a financial point of view, you're absolutely right, Paul. Bang on the money there. They don't want that sort of thing because, you know, it's just going to uh, sort of upset the equilibrium or the apple cut. And they just want to be able to put as much financial stability into this bid going forward. Um, yep. Uh, the uh, a couple of good, good points by Simon um, is that yeah, they need to expand it to get Canada back from a TB point of view. Uh, racing, which obviously is a big TB nation from from uh, from that point, um, and uh, then um, uh, and also perhaps that the uh, the USA one needs to move 
into the June, July window to avoid the other the things like NFL, Major League Baseball, basketball, etc. Well, we'll have to wait and see about that. Uh, but I don't think they'll be looking at um, looking at doing that. Yeah, um, boy, the, one... the, the, the easiest way, in fact, sorry to interrupt, the easiest way to expand this whole thing is to have two different, you have the world, you know, the main uh, rugby world cup, and then you have another uh, uh, tier two cup for the nations which get knocked out earlier. Uh, running oh, yeah, well, I, I think that the, 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 the three teams that don't make it into the the knockout stages from the group stages should have their own knockout cup for a for the world um, rather world cup for the world plate and the world bowl for those and that. so i think at the end and at the same time yeah, what i'm what i'm no what i'm actually talking about is like the easiest way to expand this thing or expand the game is to get china involved in it. so get because hmm. you, you gotta understand when it comes to asian rugby there's 28 unions that's right 28 unions but they only get two seats or votes when it comes to the, as far as the council goes. So you, you need a little bit of lateral thinking here and you have to look at how to engage these uh, nations because the reality is they these nations, particularly in Asia rugby, they get a massive TV audience. If you engage and switch on China into this, it's going to be a game changer. Then you really don't need anyone or anything else because the TV revenue from that model itself is just going to absolutely open the floodgates when it comes to finances. So needs to have a little bit of lateral thinking. That's just my take on it. Uh, but we'll see how things uh, transpire. Uh, the other big news was that, uh, that England will be hosting the Women's Rugby World Cup in 2025. Um, we're going to look at off, off, off the back of how well their 15s uh, women's competition, the, the Premier 15s, is going, how well they performed in this window. You've got to say that's, that's uh, uh, yeah, just following up on good work that's been happening there in growing the women's game still a lot of work to go folks don't get me wrong but it's uh, but they're uh, definitely one of the leading nations in women's rugby um currently um and uh, at the moment they were hoping to announce who's going to have the 2029 rugby world cup which is women's one again um but so far they've not uh, been able to do that and you expect covid would be a big part of that one um as well um on that one so um We'll take a quick interlude now to run through a couple of Johan uh, Johan's questions in here um, as to uh, to to some of these things. Um, the maybe the box should have uh, any Jones to coach as uh, the back line. Wow, that would be an interesting one. I, don't, I can't see any Jones being an assistant coach ever again. Uh, his ego is too big for that one. Um, <laughs> shakes his head for those who are on the podcast. Um, who's better coach, Eddie Jones or Steve Hansen? Well. Very different style of coaches, both very good coaches, um, and both achieved a lot. So I think uh, it's uh, difficult to say. I don't think you can really um, say that because always I mean, one of the problem, one of the hardest things with coaches, Bo, is always that um, they always have different cattle, right? It's not like you you, ne you never see the same coach with the same players or the same preparation. So it's very difficult to uh, compare coaches like that, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And you know, in different coaches, they have a certain bias towards a certain style of rugby. Uh, because, you know, for them, it's about what works best for them and identifying that. And some coaches are very good at embracing innovation. They try new things. Steve Hansen was one of them. And, of course, Eddie Jones, in his own way, tinkers with innovation, be put on or off the field. I think it's more off the field. He loves pre-game pre press conferences, never short of a, a dull moment. Uh, but I think with, with the way the game is actually evolving and the game has evolved, particularly in the last sort of, three to four weeks, we're seeing the collision uh, really play a large role. And um, ironically, when World Rugby are actually trying to speed up the game, uh, we actually see this, the game 
slowed down in ways which I never thought I would see in the year 2021. So there's, uh, there, there will be some changes coming up in 2022. That's right, you, you heard it here first. We are seeing it at the, the community level. The next, uh, I wouldn't say it's a complete reset because uh, professional and elite level coaches, uh, they actually don't want to give up some of these uh, rules because they, they see it as a, a real advantage for them. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, interesting. It really depends on what uh, point of view, what philosophy you as a coach want to employ. And you're right, the the cattle or the type of players and the type of players will largely dictate what style of rugby you're going to play. And I think that that's been very much the case with uh, looking at, for example, either the Springboks uh, via the All Blacks. You know, the All Blacks have a very different type of player group and they play a different style of rugby because... That's what suits them. But if you look at the Springboks, very, very different cattle. And they play a brand which clearly suits them, albeit not for the liking of the majority. Yep. Um, why didn't Scott Robinson uh, become the All Blacks head coach? Well, basically because they went for, well, the uh, New Zealand rugby went for continuity uh, and uh, a man who they, who they basically promised the, uh, the job a couple of years years before to already. Um, so heads there of continuity rather than revolution. Um, between um, just like they had done already with Steve Hansen, and they say it worked with Steve Hansen, so why wouldn't it work with Ian Foster? Was the theory there? Um, maybe we should fire Jackson Neymar as our head coach, replaced with Johan Ackerman. No, again, I, I think Jackson Neymar is doing a good job. Um, just needs needs perhaps Razzie to uh, um, get himself out of the limelight a little bit and let let Jax actually run the show. Um, but uh, you got to say, I think with uh, the COVID fight that he's had this year, I think he's done a good job. Um, on that one as well. So, um, but let's jump on then to the um, uh, to, to the other topics we're going to talk about then. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think those what you were talking about there then is probably time for us to talk about the ten variable laws um, that uh, World Rugby um, has um, brought in. Um, I will just quickly run through what those ten are, uh, and then you can explain perhaps uh, some of the thinking behind it um, on this one. Uh, but very quickly, uh, at the community level, you'll be allowed to basically play with anywhere between 10 and 15 players um, but uh, uh, and, and, and have kickoff as long as it's agreed before kickoff. And uh, you'll play 15 aside rules. So the rules will stay the same. It's not like having a sevens version um, of the game or anything like that. It's still the same version. Uh, games can be as short as 40 minutes rather than having to be the full 80 now um, as well. Um, the... Uh, Teams will be able to use rolling subs uh, or maybe and also have an option where every player has to play at least half of the game, which I think is a great idea uh, at the community level rather than people sat on the bench and coming on for the last five minutes. Um, scrums can be reduced in size. So hence, if you've got 10 players, you have five in the scrum rather than seven. Um, and they also can be uncontested. Lineouts, you can agree not to have to, not being, able, not being allowed to jump or not being able to lift. Again, uh, for safety reasons there. Kicking, uh, you can also have a rule where you're not allowed to kick penalties out um, for a line out in, in, in the opposition half. Um, pitch size can be adapted as well, depending on surface, surface condition, but um, I think that's probably one of the lesser ones we will see. Ball size, you'll have to play with a small, smaller ball. We've talked about that previously on this show uh, for the women's game, for example, because physically they have smaller hands. Um, but so uh, this will be community based, not professional at the top level. Um, weight-based banding allowed and also tackle height, which would be one of your ones um, there, Boa, where the tackle height can be either 
at the shoulders, at the nipples, or at the waist. Uh, and uh, the on this one now, um, ten rules there, Boa. What 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 is what, what's what's World's Rugby's thinking behind these uh, behind these rules as a as a kind of philosophy? Yeah, the philosophy is simple: to encourage more new participants and new entrants into the game. Where they're trying to simplify the game and make it easier access-wise for community participants. And these are, you know, most of these things have been discussed at game development level, where I've been involved for probably the last four years. Um, and it's it's really nice to see that, you know, uh, a, a sport such as rugby union, which is you know, not, not the fastest to adapt to innovation or embrace change. Uh, look at these innovations. Now, uh, the interesting thing for me, though, is that it's from a New Zealand rugby point of view, it's been left as optional. So it really comes down to the PU of provincial union and the respective uh, competition. So say, for example, if it comes down to the Auckland uh, Gala Premier Shield, it's up to Auckland Rugby to talk to the club uh, delegates. It's called the COD or the Chair of Delegates. And then if there's a majority vote saying, look, this is what we're going to do. For example, as you know, it's uh, My Little Baby Safe Tackle Framework. Everyone puts uh, comes up with a law saying, um, all right, no tackles above the sternum line. And they put my Safe Tackle line or SDL across their playing shirts. Um, great. But that's not to say that... Uh, Another union, say, for example, North Harbour, they don't have to change anything. So these are purely optional. Uh, there, there, there are some very good science and research behind it, particularly with making the playing field smaller. Uh, one really good example is uh, one of the fastest spreading sports or growing sports in the world, which is three-by-three half-court basketball. Uh, you know, uh, research clearly shows the evidence, the empirical evidence shows that uh, most participants like the smaller field size and it's easy to play. It's easy access, low cost. So that's the, the, the line of thinking behind it. And also you have to understand sometimes for community games, uh, you know, it's very difficult to find uh, a full 15 or full subspench. So again, this now opens the door for a little bit of flexibility and a bit of common sense to prevail. So I think this should have been done a long time ago. And also, this is the perfect tonic for some of the dropping or ailing numbers at different, uh, particularly lower age grades with rugby union. Because for the last three years, what's actually been keeping the game afloat and the numbers back, what I'm saying, is the women's game. There's been a growth year on year, on average, about 29 to 30%. Whereas in certain uh, age brackets in men's or boys' Rugby union, we've had a significant decline of players, uh, and they're mostly going to either play football or three by three basketball. So I think great changes. Uh, be interesting to see, and um, I should have some news about uh, a few competitions with a couple, maybe more provincial unions wanting to trial out my safe tackle line. What that means is no tackling above the stadium. Now, I mean, some of these rules, are, I think you would, would would need to be done at a competition level such as kicking out um, penalties for lineouts and things like that. Um, uh, and uh, the, uh, the other ones, uh, I, I can see like team numbers um, could be ones that are uh, game game specific rather, rather than for the whole competition. But um, the, uh, I, from, a, uh, from, from, from where I am, I'm in Waihi, uh, here in the Waikato, or in the, well, Thames Valley as a provincial union, but in Waikato from a kind of area, area, area 
Um, now, we could get two men's teams together as a club, but we couldn't get a women's team out there. So if, if for example, the women's competition became a 10, a 10s competition rather than 15s, then uh, obviously that would make it much more accessible and much easier um, on that one. So, uh, yeah, look, overall, I, like these, I guess it's, it's going to be a matter of seeing how many of these are actually used on a, a full competition basis and how many uses a game by game basis, um, also, uh, which could be, which could lead to some some uh, levels of confusion. Um, to be honest with you, if it becomes a game by game one uh, rather than a um, uh, rather than a competition one there as well. Um, my also, I guess, my other feeling here is that actually, what they're doing here really is pulling together some things that a lot of that, that, that several unions have been doing anyway, and just saying yes, it's okay for you to do them. <laughs> to a certain degree, because as you say, some of these things, um, New Zealand Rugby had already announced for next season for prevent for, for for the community game, um, and uh, uh, World Rugby says yes. Most of the feedback or most of the feed, feeding into this had come from England, Wales, and uh, New Zealand. So um, it sounds like similar thing or so, some of these ideas have already probably been tried out um, at um, various community levels in those countries. Also, I mean, look, we've seen in France pre-COVID was supposed to be uh, dropping the tackle line to the waist um, for all of their community games, for example. Now, I don't know how that went because obviously COVID came interrupted, so I don't know how well um, that worked. Um, but some, So there are a number of, uh, to, to me, uh, there's, there's a mixture here of good initiatives and of just pulling initiatives together so they're in one place so everyone knows about them. Uh, more than anything else, really. Yeah, Paul, I, I, can, I can tell you exactly how that French trial went. It went very well because I was actually involved in uh, some of the consultation there. Uh, so one thing I have to say is uh, the community game, particularly the younger players, always look at what's happening in the elite game. And it's, so, it's not funny the amount of times I've seen players and coaches ask me uh, in some of my coach developer workshops saying, you know, why are the Super Rugby guys doing this? And you're, you're telling us this is what you recommend or this is what you want to do. So one of the uh, disappointing things, I guess, is that after all these years, I would have loved to have seen uh, a tackle height regulation uh, in the senior to elite level in a more explicit manner because, you know, we, we've been going on and on about this. Most of the injuries... Uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know, concussion related and most of the cards uh you know come from direct shoulder contact to chin uh jaw head and back of the neck 
so this this is one area we the the game still hasn't evolved with. So I would have loved to have seen that being explicit explicitly regulated. But the one of the reasons why it isn't happening is because majority of the elite level coaches will not agree to it. So I have to state that as well because the very you know very idea most of the defenses are based in and around going uh, chest on chest, deep late. And the ability to wrap the arms. So, you know, there are various techniques to get around it, but this is something which is, you know, I have to say, a bit disappointing. And I would have loved to have seen this regulated at the professional level. Yeah, and actually, look, when we when when kids come to play uh, and, and terms of training, they're going to copy what they see on TV, right? <laughs> and as well, because it's, you 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 copy the guys who are the best to try and be the best. Uh, and so, if they're not having to lower their tackle heights, why should I? Uh, so yeah, I agree absolutely. It should, it's it's got to be done at the shop window um, as well uh, on that one. But some I have said for a couple of few years now, that I thought that we would end up with two sets of rule laws: one for the professional players and one for amateur players, because the amateur body just can't handle what the professional players do. It's going to, it's no, going to I I I, I yeah, this is something I fundamentally completely disagree because. What, what this means is the game is or the professional authorities are trying to cater for less than 0.5% of the old population of rugby players, both men and women, which is the professional uh, elite level. Uh, and basically, you're telling the other 99.5% that all oh, will we'll play the game differently. To, to me, this is a, a fundamental flaw. It's, uh, it's trying to uh, reinvent the wheel here. We're, we're trying to change what I would call Darwin's evolution of rugby. All of a sudden, you're trying to alter the DNA when it gets to the elite. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately, because that's just how the human brain is wired. Uh, there's enough empirical evidence to show this. And if you look at most other sports, almost all other sports in the world, uh, you know, it's it's refereed and officiated on the same set of rules for, for some strange reason. Rugby, being a collision and contact sport, want to be different. And it's a, it's, it's a very, very dangerous area which the game is walking on thin ice, particularly with all these head injuries and concussions. I'm I'm a very passionate opponent, very vocal against this. I think both the community, that is the amateur and the professional game, needs to be policed in the same way so that we teach our kids and coach our kids the good habits so that they can then clearly take it to the elite level. Full stop. Period. Well, I understand where you're coming from. I just say that uh, that's, it appears that's not the direction we're going in. Um, at the moment, when, and uh, that's, uh, that, that course will have to be changed um, if uh, uh, to, to, to happen. So this kind of thing, these 10 variable laws um, are heading into a divergence of um, of, of the laws. Uh, and we, all, we, all, we, we do have a kind of, in some ways, um, different levels as you, as you grow up, because obviously we, we now have, whilst when you and I um, were um, uh, coming through, we probably started with uh, contact rugby when we were five or six or whenever we first started playing. Um, whereas nowadays, obviously, you go through non, you go through touch and ripper and things before you actually start having actual contact rugby. So um, we already do have kind of age grade different laws for the game. Uh, it's just a question now as to as, as can we keep the, uh, the the adult part of the game together uh, or will it diverge? Um, in the same way, I guess, like um, NFL. Uh, and American, American football uh, has done. Let's be honest, there is no way a non-professional can play under NFL rules. You will just die. You'll get ripped. You'll just get broken. Um, uh, so the um, 
so that's yeah it's just we'll, we'll see where that all hands but yeah on the whole good ideas um and it's uh for for those um uh for, for, for those ones um johan i'm not going to let boa in on to refereeing um in this uh, show because um we'll we'll keep out of that uh, rabbit hole this week I, I i promise i'll be gentle i promise i'll be gentle and i, I have to say even though i'm quite vociferous in the criticism by and large it is factual so what can i say <laughs> I'll just like to remind everybody without a, referee, there is, without a referee there is no game folks we need them they are the most important people on the pitch because without them there is no game um, moving on though so Arnie Surveyor has re-signed um, for uh, New Zealand Rugby for four years um, two with the uh, Hurricanes um, and, uh, and four with um, New Zealand Rugby so I mean, there were lots of rumours going around that he would be playing that he would be turning out for Moana Pacifica um, but that's um, that's not to be, but no, not at all. And uh, look, I think it was it was pretty set in concrete that you know he's he's a firm Hurricanes man, and the Hurricanes were going to you know they've got an enormous amount of respect for each other. Basically, the Hurricanes, Wellington Rugby, and uh, Adi Savea, and it makes perfect sense for him to stay in a franchise which is you know competitive to uh, be you know as a as a springboard. To the level of rugby he aspires to play, which is All Blacks or Test level, uh, so I think you know, sort of trying to go on to Moana Pacifica, it's uh, pioneering year is, is probably a risk as well because, for argument's sake, if they don't be as competitive as they want to be, and if they are given the old Spanish archer early in play and get knocked out of proceedings, you know, it just leaves a hole as far as playing uh, competitive rugby to get the required minutes. So I think it's a, it's a great move. Um, interestingly, two years with uh, the Hurricanes leading up to the 2023 World Cup and four years with NZR. So that might leave a little bit of wiggle room for him to probably move sideways. But I suspect what will happen is after the World Cup, he will probably take his sabbatical and head off to Japan, you know, uh, make, make a little bit of extra yeah, he's, money. He's, he's, he's got a six-month yeah, six sabbatical in for uh, 2024. Hence, yes, so he'll skip Super Rugby in 2024 um, is kind of the plan um, and then decide where he comes back in 2025. Because, I mean, at the moment, I mean, one of the questions that Johan asked, where's Julian Severe? Well, Julian Severe currently lives in Auckland, but plays for the Hurricanes still, um, which uh, um, which is a hell of a commute. Uh, so I guess it depends on where um, Ardy settles down when he comes back from uh, fr from from Japan and, and, and which... Well, which uh, which very franchise are willing to take him as well, I think, from that point of view. Well, Ju Julian Severe is called the bus. I think commuting is not an issue, but I get your point. It is uh, interesting uh, that uh, is... Uh... Oh, Bo has um, frozen on me there, unfortunately. Um, Sometimes I don't think he's going to stand down three years while he's playing for New Zealand to play for Samoa. No, you're quite right. I don't think he will do either, but... Um, he could have played for more Pacifica and still played for the All Blacks. Uh, New Zealand Rugby have made have uh, previously been open to uh, to that happening. Um, so because uh, they said that the number of number of All Blacks players could play for Moana Pacifica. So uh, he just because he played just because he would uh, someone might sign for Moana Pacifica does not necessarily rule them out of um, playing for the um, for the All Blacks. So um, yeah. So from that point of view, uh, I think it is. Uh, um, uh, yeah, the, the, he could have played one and stayed stayed with uh, the All Blacks. Johan, why isn't Julian Sevier playing for the All Blacks anymore? Because he's not good enough. There are better wingers around. Put simply, very uh, um, very simple on um, 
uh, on that one. Now, uh, I guess the other thing about actually the audience today, well, before we actually move on to talk about Super Rugby and what might happen there, is he's actually negotiated this contract himself. So he has not used a player agent, um, which I think is very oddy uh, in that kind of sense. Look, he's set up his own businesses around. Um, well, he tried to have, so he did. He did his own podcast for a while, um, which uh, uh, he which he which he kind of uh, stopped doing. Uh, he's had his own had his own clothing brand, um, but he's a great believer uh, in players. Uh, managing their own business and, and setting themselves up for, for life. So clearly getting involved in contract negotiations is, is a good business skill for him going forwards. Um, plus also he's a great believer also of um, basically uh, the uh, Pacifica players and, uh, and Maori players uh, and uh, having self-control rather than having, um, say, white um, Pakiha, um, I'm probably pronounced that wrong, sorry, folks, um, uh, agents doing it all for them. Um, so, uh, look, uh, good move for him. Has it taken a bit longer? Absolutely. Do I think all players will go down the route of negotiating their, their own contracts? No, I don't. Um, it does take time and effort. Uh, and to be as good as you can be at something, um, sometimes you need to have all your focus on that and can't afford to. Uh, whereas I think Ardy is probably at a level where he always has to be doing something. And when he's not exercising his body, he needs to be exercising his mind. And I think these negotiations would have been very good for that for him. You know, question, I think, and this might be a, a sign of things to come, particularly with the top echelon of the very elite players. They want to probably get more engaged and more hands-on with the business side of things. And you're right, Paul. This is a sign of a very mature professional. And this is a sign of where Adi is at, uh, as far as where he's in, where he's at. Uh, life as well as his professional career, where he's actually comfortable doing the talking and negotiating, and uh, you know his his you know very successful uh, uh, career I think awaits for him post rugby uh, to do with uh, professional players and their matters going forward, and also I think he'll play a, a huge role. Uh, I'm just going to give you a little snippet on player safety going forward, particularly with world rugby and how professional players are taught and how some of these uh, collisions are, are managed both on and off the field. So I think it's uh, it's great to see. And he's a very likable guy, very lovable. He's always on TikTok. And um, yeah, you know, <laughs> you you got to love the guy's energy and all strength and power to a severe. And uh, let's hope he, uh, whilst he's doing player safety, that uh, he promotes the use of uh, gum shields. Um... <laughs> uh, as, uh... As, as, Dude, as well. I'm sure. I'm sure he would duly note that. I think <laughs> something he, yeah, I've spoken to him on a number of his, number of his occasions. wife reminded him quite uh, quite clearly um, on that one. So yes, no, absolutely. It's uh, yes, yes. She's like, yeah, darling, I want you coming home with all your teeth intact, please. Wear your gum shield. Um, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, uh, so yes, uh, Super Rugby then uh, next year. We had we we had a schedule and everything. We had. A super round in Melbourne and uh, all these kind of things. And then um, the uh, New Zealand government came out with their new uh, travel um, guidelines. And that uh, basically, so hence we are moving to traffic lights, as I think we've mentioned already uh, at the end of this week. Um, by the way, this is no judgment as to whether it's right or wrong. This just is what it is. Um, and then international travel next year opens up so that uh, uh, New Zealand permanent residents and New Zealand uh, nationals can travel into the country uh, in, and self-isolate uh, at home for seven days 
if they have had uh, fully vaccinated um, and that opens up for um uh for international for the for, for non uh, kiwis um from uh, sometime in april from uh, from memory now the problem with self-isolating for seven days is that doesn't give you any time to play another rugby game does it unless you play friday night and then play the following sunday and have long weeks but um yeah it's uh throws the uh, the, the entire schedule out the window bar it does, it does, but I've got a strong feeling here that uh, NZR with Sanza will intervene on this matter and they'll put a special case forward where they will have some, uh, you know, fairly straightforward, simple, but stringent, uh, uh, you know, systems and processes in place. And this would include rapid tests or what they call rap tests where you can swipe your, uh, sorry, swab your saliva. So I think they will move to some sort of model there for the sake of uh, saving this uh, competition and the logistics because trying to redo a schedule to bring forward the New Zealand games is just going to be an absolute nightmare. And of course, the broadcasters won't like this because they would have had this all figured out. Uh, so I'm, I'm fairly sure that uh, there will be some sort of intervention when it comes to uh, professional sport teams, particularly involving rugby union in this country and how it's dealt to across uh, across the Tasman. Uh, so, fingers crossed, we have a, a practical solution because I know this whole red light, green light or traffic lights, whatever you call it, sounds simple. But then when I actually started reading it, um, I did realize that it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tad more complicated than just going red says stop and green says go. So, uh, you know, without, without sounding or trying to get into the politics of this uh, I'm sure there'll be some kind of compromise coming in, particularly with high economic value uh, sporting events and sporting teams. And of course, for the sanity of the nation, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, the government is going to risk uh, trying to, uh, you know, trying to push the whole Super IP sideways, particularly given that we have the Fiji and Mona Pacifica in the pioneer season. So fingers crossed, Mr. Paul Baines. Absolutely. Look, I think there's, yeah, as you say, there's, there's going to be. Um, At Bathurst, you're either first. Whoops. Don't know what happened there with the video started playing by um, accident. But um, the, so yes, as you say, I, I think the, the, the rugby authorities will will uh, canvas the New Zealand government to try and get uh, an exemption, and they will put all these um, things uh, in place um, and say yes. Look, they'll travel like this. So blah 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 blah. Um, the New Zealand government so far has said no exemptions, but. Uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see how that one uh, pans out. But if they do have some sort of bubble, um, I don't see why they can't can't do that. Um, just to comment on uh, Simon, the traffic light system is nonsense. Levels makes more sense. Look, whether it's whether you say it's levels, whether you say it's traffic lights, whether you say it's whatever's, at the end of the day, uh, it's uh, it's it's not what you call it. It's basically what controls you put in place at the different levels. Um, and uh, the difference between traffic lights and levels is a number is a problem the color. Right? It makes no difference, particularly. Um, on that uh, that one there. Um, Nocturnal, actually, a positive test within teams despite vaccines could destroy the comp. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've seen that um, in a, uh, in rugby with um, uh, 14 players from Munster who have travelled to South Africa. Uh, I think I'm going to say that nine of whom have got, um, got COVID. Uh, I don't know why it's 14 or what's exactly going on there. To be honest with you, um, I'm running off. Uh, uh, it's, uh, so, but some um, look. Just because uh, we've we've got vaccinated doesn't remove COVID from being an issue, folks. It is still going to be an issue um, for the uh, foreseeable future into next year. 
Um, and as uh, Nocturne Wright says, yeah, the breakers uh, in basketball. Now, I don't follow basketball very closely, but it's, um, it looks like essentially their entire team got wiped out, i.e., when I say wiped out, I mean, came down with COVID. Uh, none of them uh, have been hospitalized or anything. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, look, it, it is, we, we are going to be rolling the dice on a regular basis for, for, uh, for, for, for the next uh, six or whatever months it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's going to be, uh, be a bit of a, a, bit of a problem um, there. Um, on that one. Well, I, I, I have to agree with Simon, just going to that previous comment, this traffic light system. It's purely from a community rugby basis. I mean, I was spending a good chunk of time last evening uh, trying to figure out how is it best we're going to manage our trainings uh, at my rugby club on, you know, how we can do this safely so that, you know, we don't put people at risk. And it is it is a challenge, particularly with the community game with the numbers uh, who are allowed to assemble. And, and again, you know, all it takes is one infection and, and in a big group of people, regardless whether they are vaccinated or not, there's every chance it could spread. And then next thing you know, it becomes a, what's the term is? A cluster, a beautiful statistical word, but not, not such a good word when it when it happens in the old Rona sense. So, um, yeah, it, it is quite challenging, particularly for community or grassroots level rugby clubs and also schools. And it will have an impact on how people prepare, train, particularly the preseason. Now, I, uh, if you look at the professional teams, no problems whatsoever because they can manage their biological bubbles, they have resources to throw at it. And I have to say, based on what what what, what we're seeing, uh, you know, preseason is in full swing, and I'm expecting the New Zealand franchises to come out absolutely swinging because looking at some of the speed tests, the endurance tests, boy, there's some serious athletes out there and some serious men on serious wheels looking at some of the speed testing which guys like Rika Yoane uh, have been doing. Um, well, Rico Wani shouldn't be doing anything because he should be uh, on his stand down from being from 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 All Blacks. But anyway, uh, and I mean, I had an interview. Um, I was involved in a, a Zoom conference interview with uh, Clayton McMillan um, when they uh, announced the, uh, the the Super Rugby squads, um, and um, I'll be uh, and, and he was basically saying that yeah, that his his one of his jobs will be to tell the All Blacks players to stay away, <laughs> actually have a rest both mentally and physically. Um, so to hear that Rico is doing speed work um, at this stage uh, is, um, well, is nuts to me. Isn't he actually still, he should still be in quarantine? Well, it's uh, it's it's a case of... Uh, yeah, he should I still mean, be in quarantine. He, should, he shouldn't even be out yet. If he was on the November tour. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a very... Uh, no, I, I, I think that quarantine period is, is well and truly gone. Well, no, because they played. It was only two weekends, only a week and a half ago since they played. What since they played France? It's not even been two weeks. Well, it's interesting. Some of the reports you, you can look, look <laughs> up yourself. Uh, what it's been doing? Uh, average speeds have been talked about from GPS data. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I guess uh, what, what I'm trying to say is the the way professional athletes are evolving, with the particular the quantum and the volume of physical yep. work they do. You know, it's, it's kind of like Robocop. You know, crime never stops, and you have to be on the, you got to be on the ball quite literally. Um, and there's there's a large emphasis on um, 
you know, uh, volume of training. And Johan, what happened to the Caleb Clark guy? He is uh, in amazing shape. He is working really hard. And I think he will be one of the standout players for this season, Super Rugby coming up. Unfortunately, he missed out on the Olympics. And I think that's kind of really uh, set, set the fire in his belly again. And uh, all reports coming to the Blues camp is that he is in absolute phenomenal shape. Great athlete. And I think it's only a matter of time before he makes himself back into the all-black test fold. I'll be saying quarantine is only 10 days if double-vaxxed. Um, not sure that's true for New Zealand. don't know which country that because I mean, but um, anyway, I don't know. It's 10 days now. It's 10 days. It's 10 days no, now. Okay. Yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm out of touch. Sorry, folks. Okay, so if it, if it is 10 days and yet, he could be just out of quarantine, maybe just um, from, 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 from that one. Um, the um, so yeah, so folks, um, where we say, yes, we'll just have to wait and see on the Super Rugby one. I mean, who knows what's going to happen if they'd gone down my route, which was to have um, two conferences, and um, then they uh, then they, they would be having all the derbies at the beginning of the season, uh, and it wouldn't be such a big issue. Um, but um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens on that one. As you said, the, yeah, the most likely option is that they will get themselves an exemption. Um, but uh, the less likely one is that they end up doing some sort of conference-based thing. That have uh, what they have said is they really do not want to do Super Rugby Aotearoa again. That was uh, that 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 that's uh, something that they will not do. Um, they were asked would uh, would all the teams really go to Australia? Um, and uh, whilst that wasn't something they were working on, um, they also said, well, that is an option. Um, so that is one possibility. Who knows? Uh, I mean, that's the, that's obviously what has happened for the Warriors, uh, the Breakers. Uh, and the Phoenix, they've all just had, they've all relocated to Australia. Um, so yes, we'll see what um, uh, how it how it all um, pans out um, in that one. Um, there, um, the uh, and so yeah, Super Rugby is not financial financially viable uh, long term. You're quite right. Um, and so, so at the end of the day, no one wants conferences in New Zealand. Well, maybe so, or maybe or, or maybe uh, when uh, you don't get to see. Um, home and away derbies, maybe maybe our fans will get upset about that instead. Because uh, I must admit, I, as a season ticket holder, which I used to be at some um, or a member of the Blues, um, I would get up. I would get upset that uh, I sometimes I wouldn't see some of the New Zealand teams um, uh, there because it wasn't home and away games. So, um, well, well, anyway, so we'll, we'll see on um, on uh, all of uh, all of that one as to how it all pans out. But it is very much in the air. What I think we can say though is that Super Rugby will happen next year. Um, or they will move heaven and high water to make it happen, and they will make make uh, move heaven and high water to make sure that it is also rugby super rugby Pacific, um, not uh, super rugby Aotearoa and super rugby AU um, as well. I think it's pretty clear that that's what um, uh, what 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 they uh, what, what they're trying um, to do. Um, well, ten rights records might be a, a, a play of rebellion if super rugby moved to Australia. Um, well, well. Uh, have to wait and see on that one. I think it would end up being one of these non-compulsory things that players who uh, didn't want to go wouldn't have to, etc. Which we've seen other sports do. Um, but uh, uh, on that one, but um, the uh, apparently back in Super Rugby twelve uh, made Super Rugby made derbies more scarce. Um, which uh, on, on on that one, but to, to me, if I'm a if if, if I'm a, a a Chiefs or a Blues member, 
and I've got my season ticket, I want to see all four other Super all four other New Zealand Super Rugby franchises play my team at home on that one. But there you go. Yeah, no question. And, and look, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, take a part in there. Don't discount uh, anything because if Rona and what's this new variation they call us, Alpha, Beta, Omega, whatever it is, uh, has has a exponential growth, and if things you know really turn to custard, then it might be a case of uh, having to restructure everything and then have a have a go with Supravya Tiroa. Of course, that's a very extreme case. So let's not discount any uh, options because we're still quite early in this supposed new variant of the outbreak and it could have further ramifications. We're starting to see that happen in South Africa, unfortunately, because well, you know, what's transpired over the last uh, week or so. Um, and, and again, it does have its up, upside. Uh, I mean, we saw some fantastic games with the, the local derbies. And you're right, Paul, you know, Sometimes I'd much rather watch uh, watchable rugby than watch games which aren't as watchable because as a fan, that's what you want. You want to see fast, up-tempo, high-speed, skilled games where you're scoring lots of tries, big hits, uh, skill and tactical rugby. So that that is something Super Rugby Aotearoa really put uh, everyone on notice. So, again... What I'm trying to say is if there is a significant outbreak and if it just completely throws everything out of the window, NZR might not have an option. So let's wait and see. That is not the case. And let's just look forward to Super Rugby. Uh, yeah. And you look, I mean, Simon points out the Scarlet uh, and Cardiff aren't allowed to be based in uh, Wales. They're having to currently base themselves in Belfast due to their, since their trip to South Africa. So look, um, it isn't just us over here in uh, New Zealand that have had these issues and there are other um, issues elsewhere um, as well. So um, there we go. That's uh, um, that's that, that's what that one is. Uh, Nocturnal rights, I'm not going to get into the politics of whether countries are being punished or not punished um, uh, due to uh, reporting of corona, etc. Um, uh, I, I personally don't follow it all close enough for that. Um, the uh, And also that's not, not where we are in this show. But some... Um, it is look. It's it's, it's a real shame uh, that you, the URC in particular, which I have been, I, I, to me, that's the competition I'm I'm the most excited about in the um, post COVID or, uh, or or COVID induced. I think the URC is the only competition that's really changed significantly um, due to COVID. In the fact that if you look at Super Rugby Pacific, it's still the same length as Super Rugby used to be. Uh, the format, whilst whilst it's all, all the games aren't in the middle of the night. Um, like they used to be, on the whole, it's pretty much the same thing um, as Super Rugby used to be. Whereas with URC, um, at least they have reduced the number of games they're playing. So the season is actually shorter than it used to be, uh, and they're not going into um, international windows. I say it's, it's to me, it's the only competition that's really changed uh, and used this opportunity to reset slightly. Uh, and they've also brought in some the um, um, it's uh, um, Rock Nation. Uh, and actually looking outside of rugby as to how you market the game as well. So to me, I think that, um, for me, I think URC is, is, it's a real shame what's happening to it. Uh, but to me, it's the most exciting rugby competition at the moment in uh, in the world uh, with, with most potential. There we go. Probably with most potential, but let's see how much potential that actually realises from the mm -hmm. point of view of quality of rugby. 
but again, you know, you have to you have to try different things, and you know, you you're on the money there, Paul. Because if you keep doing the same thing, you get the same outcome. And what I think URC have done is just tinkered with that notion and just changed things a little bit. And you're right, short season, uh, short number of games. Whereas if you look at Super Rugby, it's uh, more or less the same product, just slightly packaged packaged a little bit differently uh, with a different number or different edition, which is obviously 2022. Uh, and then, of course, uh, for me, the, the the real plus is that Fiji and Drua, the, the, the ability they've been given to prepare for that length of time, I think that's going to have a significant effect. And they may not necessarily keep up all the way with particularly the New Zealand franchises, but I think they'll be fairly, fairly competitive, far much, much more than Moana Pacifica, purely, purely because they've been given time uh, together, preparation together. They had the squad all sorted out well in advance. So for me, that's a real highlight. And if that spark really ignites it, I think this Super Rugby competition, from an entertainment point of view, is going to be phenomenal. And I do think one of the things that, uh, that has been learned from uh, from previous Super Rugby's is that so if you look at how Moana Pacifica and uh, say Fiji and Drew have put themselves together, it's much more similar to how the Hagiwaris put themselves together than how the Sunwolves did, for example. Um, and uh, they, I think there's, there's a lot of lessons there as to how you do and how you do not um, start a franchise. Because whilst we love the the, the Sunwolves and we love the love their fans in particular, I mean, they're, they're the best fans in the competition, um, they essentially were a brand new team pretty much every single year they existed. I think mean, perhaps two years where they where there was some continuity. Every other year was pretty much an entirely brand new squad with new coaches and everything. So um, it was uh, yeah, that, it showed us that that wasn't how to. Uh, the, 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 the administration for 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 well, some rules um, was uh, was yeah was non-existent essentially and, and and also Paul look when you when you pick a name for a franchise you've got to be a little bit careful that you don't get burnt with a name like Sunwolves I mean this it, you know Sunwolves don't exist so it's, to, to me how ironic is irony uh, you know they just burnt themselves out excuse the pun. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I get what you're saying, and it's uh, it's a very very valid point. Uh, but let's see, let's see how this whole Fijian draw goes. And you know, I think I think their their style of attacking rugby will do the talking, and that will bring the punters to uh, you know get get eyeballs, particularly from the Asian audience. I'm talking about because that's the style of rugby they really want to. And and, I, and you know that that try Fiji scored against Wales. That's a sign of things to come because that's what we want. Where you know you're, you're taking a fair catch and you're not waiting for the world to go past you. You just force the play, quick tap, boom, straight through the middle, breaks a tackle, inside pass, reverse pass. Next thing you know, even before you could go catch your breath, it's right time. So let's look forward to that. <laughs> Signs again. The sun represents Japan, which it does, obviously. And apparently, the wolves was the only name hadn't been trademarked in Japanese sport. So there we go. That's how they. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's it reminded me of a horror movie, you know. Or it has a show me a show me a villain, and I'll, I'll write you a tragic end sort of thing. So uh, they were brave. They were brave for for the little time being. And, and if you recall that victory against the Blues, I know thought that day would come. I was feeling very very miserable that day. But hey, all power to them. But unfortunately, uh, for one of the franchises, which was arguably one of the most resourced as far as finances go. They, uh, they're like magnesium. One day they were bright, next thing you know, whoosh, gone up in flames. The um, 
So yes. Yeah, so anyway, thank you very much, Boa, for uh, for being on uh, the show. I've had a few issues, folks, with the um, uh, with Acast. Uh, so uh, it might take a while for the uh, podcast to um, to get up. But um, yeah, we'll be back hopefully on Tuesday at uh, eight pm next week. If not, it'll be a Wednesday, um, uh, depending on uh, uh, what schedules we can do. And as Boa's pointed out, so he finds that uh, that Wednesday is uh, is actually might be an easier night for us to do, um, as it doesn't clash with uh, rugby training, etc. Um, but we are out of season, so hopefully Tuesdays will be a bit quieter anyway um, for folks. So uh, thank you very much, Bar. Very welcome. Thank you for having me and everyone else. Stay safe. Uh, enjoy the Squid Game or the traffic lights, particularly if you're in Auckland. If it says red, you know what it means. Stay put, stop, look around yourself, and as soon as it turns green, whoosh, fly away. <laughs> Basically, go online and read it. It's not that difficult. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it just you, you, you'd be surprised, Paul. You'd be surprised. It did my editing last night. <laughs> All right. Stay safe, folks, and uh, have a good week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 